Well, let me begin by saying Happy New Year. It's wonderful to be with you all and to worship together. Uh, you know, we are all headed somewhere. We're all going somewhere, uh, whether you realize it or not. So I want to ask a question. As we go into a new year, I want to ask you, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going in your life? Where are you going uh, in the various areas of your life, your marriage, your finances, the, the various places and uh, areas that God has blessed you with? Where are you going? Now, as you ponder that question, we're going to keep going back to that question time and time again uh, in our uh, message today, in our time today. Uh, and as we think through that, I want to uh, give you uh, a bit of wisdom, a bit of uh, advice that, that I received that has meant a lot to me. And honestly, I wish I would have heard this earlier, earlier in my life. Uh, but as we, as we come to God's Word and as we approach this new year, I want you to realize this important truth, that your direction, not your intention, will determine what your destination is. Now let that kind of sink in. That may seem obvious. Some of you may hear that and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I understand what he's talking about. What I mean is this. Where you end up in life, either your, your life in general or the various areas of your life, the various uh, facets of what makes you you, where you end up in those areas will be determined not by how much you want to end up in a good place, but by the direction that you are headed in those areas. Your destination is determined by the direction you're headed. You came to church here today, and you knew where the church was, or at least I hope you did. You knew how to get here, and I hope that each and every one of you wanted to be here today. But as much as you wanted to be here, as much as you knew where the church was located, as much as you knew how to get from point A to point B to get here, what mattered most of all is that you went in the right direction. You could have all the best intentions in the world. You could knew where, knew where the church was, but if you head in the wrong direction, you're never going to make it. Now, I first learned this principle in a very memorable, memorable way when I was 16. My brother had just got out of a Marine boot camp, and he was stationed in Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And he asked, he didn't need his car while he was there at camp. Most of everything was there on the base. And so he asked if I would ride with him uh, to Camp Lejeune. I'd stay there a couple days with him. And then I would drive his car back to our home in Macon, Georgia. It sounded like a great idea to me. I was, I was 16. It would be the first time that I, just me and my brother were on a long extended trip like that. It would be the first time that I got to drive a solo across state lines. So that seemed fun. And I got to drive my brother's car, which was a whole lot better than my car. So it seemed like a win-win all the way around. And so I went on the trip. We stayed a couple days there at Camp Bajum. When it came time for me to leave, I had everything ready. Now, back then, I didn't have smartphones. We didn't have GPS systems or anything like that. And so I brought out an old school map, and I mapped out where I was and where I was headed, and I mapped out all the ways I needed to get there. So I knew my destination. I knew how to get to my destination. All that it needed to do was for me to get moving in that direction. So I started driving, and this was a seven-and-a-half-hour trip, longest time I'd ever driven by myself. And so I started driving, and for the first few hours, it's a lot of fun. I'm listening to the radio. I'm looking around at the scenery around me. It's great. But as the hours continue to wear on, it gets kind of boring, and it gets kind of tedious. And if you've ever driven a long journey like that, it's hard for you to stay focused. It's hard for you to stay awake, and your mind begins to wonder and things like that. 
Well, I'm driving, and again, remember our principle. It does not matter that I know where I want to go, and it doesn't matter how much I want to hurry up and get there because I'm getting tired. What matters is, am I going in the right direction? And I start to wonder whether or not I actually am. I start to have some doubts because as I'm driving, I'm starting to see some billboards that say, you know, uh, Orange Grove up ahead. And I see another billboard that says Alligator Farm just ahead. And as I'm going, I, I really know that I'm going in the wrong direction when I see Welcome to Florida right ahead. So somehow I bypassed Georgia and went straight into Florida. How I did it, I don't know. So I have to turn all the way around and drive another three hours to get back to my home. So I turned a seven and a half hour trip into a 10 hour trip. And I found this really interesting. As I was looking at uh, the trip that I took uh, in preparation for this message, I actually Googled the mileage that I took, and it, it was literally, I'm not making this up, 666 miles that I did. And I should have done another round trip just to even it out to 667. But I say all that to say, as much as I wanted to get to my destination, I was not going in the right direction. And I don't share that as a just silly, embarrassing story, although it was very embarrassing, and it did cost me money, and it was very irritating and wasted time. I share that with you because that can happen to many of us. We have certain dreams and aspirations. We have certain destinations we would like to make in our own life and in our marriage and with our kids and with our finances and all these different things that we would like to see. Well, in the future, here's what I would like to see happen. Here's where I would like to see my life and my family and things like that. But as much as you may intend to end up there, if you're not headed in the right direction, you'll never make it. Or maybe you will make it, but you'll take all kinds of detours and side routes and you'll have a lot of wasted time and you'll have a lot of wasted effort and I imagine you'll have a lot of embarrassment and regret along the way. And so as we approach a new year, what I want us to do is I want us to approach it wisely. I want us to think through where am I supposed to be going? Where am I headed? Is my current trajectory, the current choices and decisions that I'm making, are they taking me where I want to go or are they taking me somewhere completely different? I don't want any of us to wake up one day and think, how in the world did I get here? How did I end up in this kind of marriage? How did I end up with my kids making these kind of decisions and running as far and as fast as away as they can from Christ and the church? How did I get to this place financially? How did I get to this place with my health? How did I get to this place with my relationship with God? So as we look into God's Word today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. The, the Apostle Paul writes to a, a group of Christians who were dealing with some of the same uh, distractions, a lot of the same hardships and struggles that we face that can get us off route. And he writes to them to tell them how they can stay on track with God's plan for their life. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and there we're going to, to see how Paul takes this principle and begins to apply it in some very practical ways, and we're going to flesh out this idea that the direction that we're going is going to determine our destination, and then I hope we'll see some practical ways that we can begin applying this today. So we begin in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 15, and this is what it says. Paul writes, saying, Be very careful then. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because 
the days are evil. Now pause there for just a moment. We're going to take this piece by piece because there's so much that the Apostle Paul is writing to us, and I don't want us to miss any of it. He starts off by saying, be very careful how you live. Now pause there for a moment because here's what I want you to understand. That word be very careful is a very intentional Greek word that Paul is using. It's basically two Greek words that means to look and exactly or to look carefully or with uh, great inspection. And so whenever I come across this Greek word, what I uh, kind of visualize in my mind is uh, maybe a soldier on the battlefield and he finds himself uh, surrounded a bunch, uh, with a bunch of mines. And he knows that they're all around. He knows that they're dangerous. He knows that any wrong step could mean the end of his life. And so he is looking carefully and he is calculating and he is judging and he is very circumspect in how he moves and, and finds his way through this dangerous area that he's in. That's the image I believe that the Apostle Paul wants us to be thinking about as well. Because let's face it, life is difficult. Life has countless dangers. That's why parents, we, we, we stress and we worry so much as our kids are growing up and we want to instill in them all these principles and values and good character traits. We want them to be the men and women that God has called them to be because we know there are so many dangers waiting just outside there in the world uh, for them. And so Paul says, walk carefully uh, or, or live carefully, not as unwise but as wise. So here's what I want you to see. He's comparing two different individuals. Now, I don't know which one you identify with, but I want us to look at both of these individuals and, and what this means for the direction of their life, where they are going. Now, first, he holds up the unwise person. Now, to be fair, there are many different definitions of what a fool or an unwise person is in Scripture. In some instances, all of us have been fools. All of us have been um, unwise. We grow up, and as children, we are naive. That's one definition that the Bible uses of a fool or an unwise person, someone who just doesn't know any better. But then there are other categories of a fool that is someone who they don't see the connections in life or they don't, uh, they don't care what God has to say. And so let me, for the purpose of what we're discussing here today, let me boil down what a fool is. A fool is someone who does not recognize or respect the connection between the direction that they're going, the choices they're making, and their final destination, where they end up in life. Okay, now, again, let that kind of soak into your head and into your heart a little bit. A fool, an unwise person, is someone who either doesn't recognize, they can't see it, they don't see how what I'm doing today is going to affect what I do tomorrow, or they see it and they just don't respect it. They don't care about what I do today and how that affects tomorrow. Now, all of us, I'm convinced, at least know one fool, right? We, 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 we know fools, right? We, some of us are related to fools. Don't, don't look at, don't nudge anyone, don't whisper to them right now, but just think in your mind. We all know people who we see the decisions they're making, and we see where that's taking them. And maybe we or other people in their uh, network of friends and family have reached out to them and, and spoken to them and said, listen, you don't need to do that. You don't need, or maybe you need to start doing this. And listen, this is going to take you somewhere you don't want to go. And either they don't see the connection or they don't care. And you can see the writing on the wall. You know how that, that story is going to end, but they just keep carelessly moving forward. They are unwise because they're like that soldier in the minefield, but they don't care about the mines, and they're just tramping on through there. They're just walking through without a care in the world. And listen, 
eventually the consequences are going to come home to roost. Sometimes those consequences are right then and they're immediate. Sometimes they come months, years down the road. That is a fool. Now here's the other thing about a fool that we need to be careful of. Is a a fool, oftentimes, because they don't see that connection or they don't respect that connection between their decisions, what they're doing, their current direction in life, and where that's going to take them, because of that, they blame everything else around them. Fools will blame other people for the hardships and struggles they face. Fools will look at their life and their current struggles and their current uh, difficulties and, and tears that they cry, and they'll say, well, if I just grew up in a different house or if I just had more money, if I, if I just went to a better college or had a better job or whatever it may be, they will point to everything else as the reason why they're struggling because they don't see the connection between what I'm doing and what I'm choosing and how that's affecting where I am today. And they don't understand what I do today is going to affect me years and years down the road. That is a fool. And let me also just say, while we're talking about fools, let me also just give a little advice to all, to all of us, but especially the younger people who are, are here with us today. You don't have to be a fool to be hurt by a fool. Let me say that again. You know, when I was uh, younger, I probably wouldn't have heard this, but if you would just hear this and apply this to your life, I'm telling you, it's going to save you a lot of hurt. It's going to save you a lot of regret. You don't have to be a fool and act foolishly to be hurt by the fools in your life. Just being in close proximity to someone who doesn't care about their life, listen, if they don't care about their life and their future, they certainly don't care about your life and your future. And just being in close proximity to someone who is going to act foolishly, sometimes you catch the shrapnel when their life explodes. So we need to be careful and we need to be wise and we need to recognize when we're acting foolishly and we need to be uh, able to recognize the fools that are in our life as well. But Paul, again, he's talking about two different people. So that's the fool. Let's talk about the wise person. The wise person, obviously, is the exact opposite of that. If a fool doesn't respect or recognize the connections between what I'm doing, the direction of my life, and where I'm going to end up. The wise person, they do recognize that. And they do respect that. They understand that I am where I'm at today because, in large part, because of what I did in the past, for better or for worse. And they understand that where I want to go, where I'm hoping my life will end up, the things that God is calling me to and wanting to bless me with, is going to be largely a part. I'm going to be able to experience that largely based on what I choose today. I am setting up for myself what my tomorrow will be like. That's what the wise person does. And the wise person, they don't look at everyone else. They don't sit and complain about what everyone else is doing and how that affects them. They don't complain about their environment. They are proactive and they understand, you know what? Everyone, you have to deal with the cards that you're dealt. Everyone has, you know, uh, benefits and blessings and everyone has challenges. The biggest biggest question we have to ask ourselves is, what am I going to do with what God has given me? And the wise person understands, if I take what God has given me, and if I use it the way God has called me to, I'm going to experience the blessings of God. And that's what I want for me, and that's what I want for you. But it's all contingent upon, are we going to walk wisely in this life? Now, I want you to notice what else uh, Paul says here. He, He says that we need to walk carefully, not as the unwise, but as the wise. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days 
are evil. And again, you know me, I, I like to encourage you to highlight or underline in your Bible. And if you do, I want to encourage you to highlight or underline that word opportunity. Now, here's what we need to understand. That word opportunity means a time, a period of time. It could be a, a day, it could be a moment, or it could be an entire season of your life. But he's saying make the most of that day, that moment, that season of your life. And I, I love the word um, make the most of. Some translations say to redeem. The Greek word literally means to buy back, or it means to invest. Now, here's the thing about investments. You, you give something, you sacrifice something now, in hopes of what you'll get later. The wise person recognizes, I may not like this moment that I'm in. I may not like this season of life that I'm in. I may keep looking forward to the future, wanting to fast forward and get to that, that time uh, later on in life when I think things will be better. Or some of us are wanting to hit rewind and relive the glory days. But the wise person isn't looking to the future and isn't looking to the past. They understand in this moment here, there is blessing and there is opportunity. And if I'm wise, I can invest in this moment. I can sacrifice some of my present comforts and things that I want to do here and now so that one day I will experience a greater blessing that God has for me. That's what the wise person would do. And listen, that's what we all want for ourselves. That's what we want for our kids. What we wouldn't give. Imagine this for a moment. What if you could talk to a younger version of yourself and give your younger version of yourself a little bit of advice of what to look for, what to avoid, what to invest in? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Paul is saying right now, if we walk wisely, then we can invest this moment so that we can have a better tomorrow. And that's what we all need to be thinking about. What direction am I currently going in? And is that going to get me to where I need to be? That is what Paul is focused on. Now he says, here's the reason why this is so important. He says, because the days are evil. Now here's the thing. That little word, evil, typically means nine times out of ten in Scripture, what it means, it is talking about a moral or ethical evil. It is something sinful. It is something wrong that is being done or that we are doing, whatever it may be. That is what this word most often means. And that, that is very applicable, applicable uh, to our day and time because that, I mean, look around. We live in a day and time where the days are evil where sin is running amok, where, where sin is celebrated and righteousness is ridiculed and condemned. And we live at a time where it is very difficult for any of us to live wise and to live godly. It is not easy for young people to live in today's culture, in today's world, and live sexually pure. There is all kinds of debauchery. There's all kinds of lust and fornication that is trumpeted from the rooftops. It is on every screen. It is in every movie, TV show. You name it. It is, it is infinitely more difficult and getting more so as each day passes for young people to say sexually pure before marriage. It's hard for people to remain financially good stewards of the resources God has given them. When the world is constantly telling you, buy this and you'll be happy. Go here and take these vacations and you need to wear these clothes and drive these cars and have this kind of house in order for you to be happy and to be content and to be successful. And then the world mocks you when you're buried under a mountain of debt and stressed out and your family's falling apart. It's very hard to be a good steward of God's resources in these evil days. It's difficult 
for us to stand up for what is right and for what is true in today's time when everyone just wants to hear what is right in their own eyes and they want to hear the truth that tickles their ears. It is very hard for us to live wisely and to live godly. So I think primarily that is what Paul is getting at when he says, you need to live wise. Don't be the fool who's just carelessly going on through life, oblivious to how the consequences of their decisions today will affect their tomorrow. Don't be that person. Be the wise person because this world is constantly luring you to disaster and then mocking you for when you step into it. But here's the other thing I want to encourage you in. This word can also be translated another way. And in addition to that idea of sinful or ethical evil that's in the world, and that's why we need to be careful, another thing that I think we need to be mindful of is this word can also mean something that is sick, something that is broken, something that is painful, something that is just hurtful and hard to endure and experience. And here's the, uh, here's the thing I, I think we should consider when thinking about the days that we're living in and trying to live wisely. We live as broken people in a broken world. No matter how wise you live, no matter how much you try to follow God, you are going to experience hardships and difficulties. Pain is going to come your way. It is the common denominator amongst all people, whether they are Christian or unchristian. We will all go through difficult times. But here's the thing. When we are living the way God calls us to live, when we are living wisely, then there are a lot of hardships and heartbreaks and tears that we can avoid because we are doing what God wants us to do and we are, doing, we are living life the way God has created life to be lived. It's much like the law of gravity. I can avoid a broken arm if I just avoid uh, high falls a lot of times. If I'm not acting uh, like a fool up on a ladder, I'm going to avoid getting hurt. In the same way, if I avoid acting like a fool in life, I can avoid disaster in my marriage, with my kids, with my finances. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not up here preaching a prosperity gospel to you. I'm not saying everything's going to go great. It didn't go for Jesus. It didn't go for the apostles. But I am telling you this. If you will keep your eyes fixed on your Heavenly Father, and if you will live life the way you were created to live life and live life in the way that uh, the God of this universe organized and shaped this world... Things will, be, uh, things will typically go a lot smoother for you, and you will have less regret and less hardships. Listen, you know, I, I've been a, a, a Christian for, for many years at this point, and I, I know that my life hasn't been easy, but I wouldn't trade my relationship with Christ for anything in this world. Not because it's easy, but I can see there's wisdom and there's joy and there's peace in it. And that's what Paul is talking about here. The days are evil. They're evil simply, but they're also just hurtful and painful and difficult. And listen, when we go through the difficulties of life, isn't it great when we know that, man, I'm going through the storms of life right now, but I have a Heavenly Father who's still in control. I'm going through the storms of life right now, but man, I'm so thankful for my church family, my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who love me and support me and encourage me. Things, listen, it's just better when we are living the life God has called us to live. So my question to you again, where are you going? Are you headed in the direction God has for you that, that you honestly, if you were to see God's big plan, the, the ups and downs and everything in between, you would choose his will for your life too. I promise you that. So are you going in the direction God wants for you or are you going in some other detour? Are you getting off track? But notice what else uh, Paul says as, as, as he's, talking here about the days being evil and how hard things can be. He, he says here in verse 17, notice this. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be unwise, 
but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, here's the thing. If we want to end up in a, in a, at a destination where there's peace, where there's joy, where, where, where it is where we can look back and have fewer regrets and fewer hurts and hardships, we can't pick the destination. I can't pick where I want my life to go. I can't pick what I want my marriage to end up like. I can't pick what I want my kids and my family and my finances to look like because when I pick it, I mess things up because I am broken and my heart is deceitful. And listen, let's just be honest with ourselves. We don't know what we really want. We chase after things, and as soon as we grab hold of it, we're discontented and we're chasing after the next thing. As Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, said, it's like chasing after the wind. As soon as we grab it, it's gone, and we're chasing after something new. And so I can't pick my destination, and you shouldn't pick your destination either. That's why Paul says, therefore, if you want to be the wise person and not the fool, don't pick your own destination. You need to understand what the Lord's will is. So again, let's kind of put it all together. That means we need to understand what the Lord's will is for our life in general. That means we need to understand what the Lord's will is for our marriage. That means we need to understand what the Lord's will is for our kids and for every other facet of our life. What is God's will for you? Now, some of you may be sitting here and you're thinking, well, that sounds great, Pastor Jim, but I don't know what God's will is for my life. I'm confused. What, what, what does that mean? And oftentimes we would say, well, you need to get in Scripture. You need to read in there. And then a lot of times I found people will say, but you know Scripture better than I do. Why don't you just tell me what God's will is for your life? But listen, here's the thing. Do you need to be in Scripture? Yes, absolutely. Do you need to be praying? Yes, absolutely. Because listen, God's not going to tell me what His will is for your life. Just like He's not going to tell you what, your, what my will is for you to tell me. Okay? And so you need to understand, it's all about having fellowship and relationship with your heavenly Father. And when you're walking with God, when you're fellowshipping with Him, when you understand who He is and the kind of God that He is, when you get in Scripture and Scripture gets into you, then you will be able to understand what God's will is. In fact, that's what Paul tells us. Notice what it says here in the very next verse. He says, verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, let me kind of translate what he's talking about here. Paul is giving two examples here. He's talking about those who are drunk with alcohol and those who are filled with the Spirit. Now, I think most of us understand what it looks like for someone to be drunk on alcohol. You know, a person can be talking, conducting themselves uh, just fine like any other rational person. They're walking, talking, doing whatever, do whatever it is uh, that they do. But as soon as the alcohol begins to fill them up and take control of their life, now all of a sudden they can't see straight. Now all of a sudden, their words are just stammering out of their mouth. Now all of a sudden, they can actually seem like a completely different person. It transforms their personality. Now, in a much similar way, that's kind of what it looks like for the, uh, for the, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, bear with me. I'm not saying being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like you're getting drunk. I'm not talking about being charismatic or Pentecost or anything like that. What I'm saying is this. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't see things the way you would normally see things. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't talk like everyone else talks or even the way you used to talk. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not the same person you were before. 
And what Paul is pointing to here is he says, instead of being like the world where you are drunk and consumed and filled up with the things of the world, I want you to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me also say something else real quick. Oftentimes, we can look, as Christians, we can look at this passage and we can talk about, well, I'm so glad that I don't drink and I don't get drunk and I feel uh, uh, sad for the poor saps that do. And, and this verse, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm all on board with that. But hear, hear me clearly. We can get drunk on a lot more other things than just alcohol. There are Christians who can get filled up, maybe not with alcohol, but maybe with news and social media. They can get filled up with hobbies and sports and stuff like that, so much to where it drowns out. They don't have time for God. They don't have time to read God's Word. They don't have time to pray. They don't have time to talk. Whenever they talk, they talk about whatever it is, what other other things they've been filling up their life with. But if you are filled with the Spirit, then it's just going to overflow out of your life. It's going to overflow in every area of your life. In fact, you know, oftentimes when someone gets drunk, you can almost smell it before they even get near. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were so filled up with the Spirit of God, we, we spend time with God so much, we pray, we, we're thinking about God when we're you know, on the road driving, we, you know, we can't help but just talk to people about God because of the things He's doing in our life. What if when people come near us, they just get a whiff of grace, a whiff of love? They can just feel God in our life because we are just so filled up, it's overflowing onto other people. What if we crave the God and the things of God the way an alcoholic craves a drink? We just don't feel right unless we've, man, I, I didn't spend time with God today and I just, something's off. I don't feel right. Imagine what our homes would be like if that was us. Imagine what it, our, our, our churches and our communities and what our nation would be like if, if Christians who claim to follow Christ really were so obsessed with Christ that they want to spend every waking moment thinking about Him, talking to Him, praying with Him, or talking about Him. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, be filled with the Spirit. And notice what he goes on. He, he gives us three examples of what this looks like. We kind of mentioned them a little bit, but... Let's listen to what Paul says. Number one, listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now again, I'm not talking about you living like you're in a musical and always you know, prancing around singing or whatnot. That's not, I don't think what Paul's talking about here. I think what he's getting at is you know, music is such a powerful thing. Music can make you happy. Music can, can uh, touch your soul and, and, and encourage you or, or make you depressed or angry. Music has a way of cutting right to the heart of what you're going through. That's why the book of Psalms is so important. The book of Psalms just has, it has music and, and songs that are written for all different seasons that we go through in life. And here Paul is saying that when you're filled with the Spirit, one of the things that you're going to see is the words that you say when you're talking to other people are going to be words that are encouraging and edifying and loving, things that build people up. And man, what the world would look like if people were more encouraging and edifying in their words. We're so quick to talk about negative things or to criticize and complain. But what if when people came around you, they just heard words that lifted them up and encouraged them and pointed them to Christ? And I'm not saying you, you don't go through hardships, you don't talk about the difficulties that you're going through, but they're all couched in and they're all overshadowed by this idea that God is in control and God is good and He's our Heavenly Father. And man, we are blessed people. 
That is what Paul is talking about. Notice what else he says. He says, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only will we in our words be talking words that glorify God and edify others, but also just with our perspective in life. When we have spent time with God and we are filled up in the Spirit, now when I look out at the world, when I look at my situations, whether they be good or bad, I'm able to give thanks because I'm seeing it not from my perspective, but from God's perspective. A perspective that tells me that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That every tear I shed and every hardship I go through, God will use that for his glory and for my good. And because of that, even when things are difficult, and man, these last couple of years have been difficult, even when things are difficult, we can still give thanks in everything. And then he goes on and he says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So not only will the words that come out of our mouth be edifying to others, not only will our perspective in life be different when we're filled with the Spirit, but also the things that we're chasing after and we're pursuing are going to be completely different. Notice that he's saying you're not clawing and trying to get ahead in life. It's not this zero-sum game where when other people are succeeding, that means you're losing it means I'm going to put other people first because I recognize what's really important in life. I recognize that it's not all about me. I know what the world says, and I know what I've been led to believe, and I know what they're calling me towards, but I, I recognize something else because I've been spending time with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've been filled up with the Spirit, and I recognize those things are not important. I'm not going to stress out about those things. I'm not going to worry about those things. I'm just going to love and serve others. And do you see how all this is pointing back to not about me because I'm not picking the destination. It's not about my happiness. It's all about, Paul continually points back to, it's about Christ and it's about others. Love God and love others. And when we're loving God and loving others, then that means we are moving forward in the direction God would have us to go if we're full of the Spirit. Now here's the thing. We've been talking about going in the right direction. If we go in the right direction, we'll end in the right place. And here's the thing, far too many of us, we get distracted and we get uh, uh, you know, off track by so many things, so many good things. When I was driving from North Carolina to Georgia, I was paying to, uh, attention to some really important things. I was paying attention to the other cars around me. That's important. I was paying attention to my speed. I didn't want to get pulled over. I was paying attention to my gas gauge, making sure I had enough gas in the tank. All these things I was paying attention to. But I lost track of where I was going. I wasn't paying attention to that. And listen, I know you have a lot of things in your life. I know you have a lot of responsibilities in your life, a lot of things that you need to pay attention to. But don't lose sight of where God wants you to go. Don't lose sight of the destination for your marriage, for your kids, for your finances, for your life in general. Don't lose sight of that. Because you could wake up and recognize, I'm in a place I never intended to be. And you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. It, you know, you can just coast and end up there. You know, one of the things I love so much is gardening, and I can't wait for spring to come and to start gardening. But you know, one of the things I've realized, I never planted weeds in my garden, but they crop up all the time. Have you ever noticed that? Because here's the thing, you don't have to plant weeds for weeds to grow. But you do have to be intentional in harvesting your garden and getting it prepared. In the same way, in your life, you don't have to do anything intentionally foolish to end up in a place you don't want to be. Just coast. Just go through life with no plan and no intention. But if you want the best that God has for you, and you want to experience all the blessings he wants for you and for your family and for your church and your community, 
then you have to be intentional. You have to know what he's called you to and be moving in that direction. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have our time of invitation. And in this time of invitation, again, I want that question to be rolling around in your head and in your heart. Where am I going? Because again, your your direction, not your intention, is going to determine your destination. So where are you going? Where are you going for 2022? Where are you going in those areas that God has called you to? And in our time of invitation, I'm going to pray for us before we, we go into this invitation, but I want you to just talk with your Heavenly Father. For some of you, that means you're going to have your first conversation with Him that you ever had. You've never trusted in Christ. And you've been going in a lot of different directions, but you recognize that you need to follow him. And today is the day of salvation. If that's you, I pray that you'll trust him, that you'll give your life over to him. I would love to talk and pray with you about that. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you're here today and you realize, you know what, I've been following Christ, but I've gotten distracted. Today's the day you get back on path for what God wants for your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are loving. And Father, it is a blessing just to be here amongst the family of God, worshiping you and lifting you high. Father, thank you for this past year and all the blessings you brought our way. Father, thank you for all the hardships you brought us through and what we learned through the midst of those. And Father, we pray for this upcoming year, Lord, that this would be a year that we are intentional about your calling on our life. Lord, those things that we've been neglecting and putting off, Lord, that we would focus on those, we would focus on you, and Lord, most importantly, you would be glorified. And Lord, we just pray that through this year, through our decisions, Lord, you would do a great work. And Lord, that you would just show up and show out, and Lord, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly to their heart and draw them to yourself. Lord, we give you this invitation. Lord, glorify yourself in it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.